Welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at the Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. Everybody had a good Christmas? All right, all right. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1, and then a little bit later on we'll be in Ephesians chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to its truth. As we look at your grace today, Lord, we pray that we would be in awe, captivated by your grace. Lord, teach us today what it means to be a saved people, what we've been saved from and what we've been saved to. And may we take that grace and turn it into worship towards you. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and give us understanding into your word. Meet each one of us right where we're at. And reveal to us, Lord, the love that you have for us that would cause you to leave heaven and come to earth and die for our sins, all by grace. Lord, would you speak to us now in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to take a little quick break from our series on the life and times of Jesus to deal with a topic that has been on my heart recently. And I feel like at the new year, is a good time to do this as we remind ourselves as we look forward to what we want to be. We want to be a church. We want to be a people that are striving to be the church that Jesus intended his church to be, right? So I feel like this is the right time for this message. It's been on my heart for a little while. And we're actually going to spend two weeks on this. And what we're going to look at is being true to the gospel. You can see it there on the screen. That, that's what we're going to talk about, being true to the gospel. I was recently doing some morning devotions and reading through the book of Galatians, and I was reading how Paul is writing to these guys because some guys had come into the church there in Galatia and started some trouble. They had started to come in and misrepresent the gospel, and they started leading people astray. And you'll see here on your screen what Paul wrote to them in Galatians chapter 2, verse 5. And that's where this couple of of weeks came from. Paul said this, But we refused to give in to them for a single moment. They're trying to pervert the gospel. They're trying to compromise and lead people astray in, in regard to the gospel. He says, we refuse to give in to them for a single moment. And we wanted to preserve notice the truth of the gospel message for you. And that's what we want to do. We want to preserve the truth of the gospel. We want to be true to the gospel. And as I thought about this, as I was reading through the book of Galatians there, I thought about how the gospel might be misrepresented in the church these days. And what we would need to do to stay true to the gospel, and how, as a church, we could communicate the gospel rightly. And I thought of two dangers. 
within the church. Two camps within the church that are polar opposites of one another in their extremes, but they both misrepresent the truth of the gospel. And one of those is the very legalistic side, the the Pharisee-type people. They have made Christianity all about the keeping of the rules. And they have communicated to the world that Christianity is primarily a religion of rules and regulations that we need to work very, very hard to keep. And their primary attention is given to conforming people to those rules. This is a group that is very performance-oriented. They would say, how well you perform determines your acceptance and your standing before God. They'll even make up extra rules in an effort to keep people from even getting close to the biblical rules. So there are very works, very performance-based people, the Pharisee-type people. Number two, and those are the ones we're going to kind of deal with today. Number two, and what we're going to deal with next week, is the opposite of that. It's those that would abuse the grace of the gospel. Those that would claim to belong to Christ, yet there's no real evidence of transformation in their life. They claim that that the power of the Holy Spirit lives within them, yet they go on living the way they always did. And there's no transformation. Both of those deny the truth of the gospel of Christ. One denies the grace. One denies the transforming power. But both deny the gospel. So what we're going to say in an endeavor to be true to the gospel is that we need at least two things or we need to understand at least two things. Number one, that the gospel is a gospel of grace. Number one, the gospel is a gospel of grace. That's what we're going to talk about today. And then next week, we're going to look at number two, which is the gospel transforms. Both must be there if we're going to be true to the gospel. Now, I had intended to do this as one message so that it would be really balanced. We would have grace and transformation in one message. But as you well know, I rarely can pull that off. So it turned into two weeks. So I need to say that each message is incomplete and somewhat unbalanced without the other. So today we're going to be heavy on grace. We're going to say that you don't earn it. You don't earn your acceptance before God. It is a free gift that you don't work for and you couldn't work for if you wanted to. And somebody would say at the end of this message, but yeah, what about those that that need lives to change? It's one thing to go heavy on grace, and and there might be somebody out there saying, yes, I'm all about the grace, but there's no change in their life. You're just going to have to stand by till next week. (laughs) That's all I can say about this deal. All right. So we're going to begin with this, with this very truth, that the gospel is is a gospel of grace, and we're going to deal with it talking about and pointing to three aspects of grace today. Three aspects. Number one, we are saved by the grace of God. Number two, this is a very important one for us as a church, we are sustained by the grace of God. And then number three, therefore, we should extend the grace of God. We're going to start looking at this by looking at the grace 
and the transformation that the Apostle Paul experienced. And that's where we pick up in 1 Timothy chapter 1. So if you would, 1 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 12. Paul says this. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. So Paul says, thank you, Jesus, for considering me to put me and use me for your kingdom. Now here's what's important. Verse 13, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And notice this, among whom I am foremost of all or chief of sinners or the worst sinner in the whole world, Paul says. Yet for this reason, I found mercy so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. As you read that, you have to feel that the Apostle Paul is captivated and in awe of the grace of God. He begins by just going, thank you, Jesus, for transforming my life and using me. And he points to it as a gift. Thank you, Jesus, because it all came from you. I didn't deserve it. And then he says this radical statement in verse 13, or I mean, uh, earlier on, he, he says, I'm the worst of sinners, right? In verse 15, the foremost of all, some translations say the chief of sinners. Paul just said he is the absolute worst sinner. And he explains it in verse 13, that he was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul said he tried to destroy the church. In Acts chapter 22, verse 4, he said this. He said, I persecuted this way. Speaking of Christians, he says, I persecuted Christians to the death, binding them and putting them both, men and women, into prison. And we know that Paul stood by, giving his support and approval as Stephen was stoned to death, the very first Christian martyr. And so Paul, looking at his own heart, goes, I am the worst of all sinners. I'm the chief of sinners. But then Paul points out the grace of God. That's the whole point that he lays that out. Is he says that when my actions should have earned for me rejection from God, when my actions should have caused God to reject me or treat badly, treat me badly or to punish me. Instead, what he did was he drew me to himself. He forgave me. He renewed me. He saved me. He drew me into this relationship with him. And he says, that's what grace is. You can see how Paul is just captivated with the grace of God. That's why we say, The gospel is the gospel of grace. Your salvation is nothing that you deserve. It's a free gift of God. In fact, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, if you would. Ephesians chapter 2, quickly.
Paul writing to the church at Ephesus in chapter 2, verse 1 says this. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in sons of disobedience. Among them, we all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that anyone might boast. You see what Paul just said? Paul just said that we were all dead in our sin and headed for hell. But through the rich mercy and the deep love of God, we were made alive in Christ Jesus. And it was all by grace. All of it was grace. None of it was earned. You can't boast about anything in the gaining of your salvation. It was all Jesus. It was all grace. Thank you, Jesus. So we are saved by grace. Our second point is this, though. That not only are we saved by grace, we are sustained by grace meaning that we all still need grace, do we not? Anybody in here doesn't need grace for their life? I need a lot of grace. I think that most of us as Christians get the fact that we are saved only by grace and never by works. But I also think for us as Christians, there's a great danger especially for those of us that have walked with Jesus for a little while and kind of had our act cleaned up a little bit, there's a bit of a danger for us to start to become legalistic with other people. And not only to forget that we were saved by grace, but that we still need grace every single day. And there is a danger for some of us that have been Christians for a little while to start to make it all about the keeping of the rules. And there's a danger for us to start to communicate that to the world. To start to communicate to people that Christianity is primarily a religion of rules and regulations that you have to work really hard to keep. And that our acceptance before God is somehow based on our performance. It's not accurate. These are the the Pharisee type people, the legalistic type people, and it's quite prevalent within the church. In fact, you may be able to see a little bit of that in your own heart at times. I've seen it in my own heart at times, And, and there are entire denominations that have gone that way that are saying, yeah, 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 you got saved by grace. That's all good and well, but now you better start keeping all the rules. 
I've seen it, man, permeate the church. And when somebody comes to the Lord, the first thing that happens is some church person runs up to them and tells them all the things they're doing wrong and gives them a big, long list of all the rules that they have to keep if they're going to be a good Christian. Listen to me now. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that there doesn't need to be a transformed life. There does. We're going to spend all next week talking about that. But you don't get saved by grace only to turn around and abandon grace to keep a whole bunch of rules. As if you're saying, God, you started me off good, but I'll take it from here. And it's on me now. You see, that's exactly what had happened in the Galatian church. That's exactly what the whole book of Galatians is all about. People had come into the church after Paul had been there and a bunch of people got saved. Then others started coming in the church and misrepresenting the gospel and saying, yeah, I get it. You were saved by grace, but now you got to start keeping the law. If you want to truly be accepted before God, you got to keep the law. And Paul says, no, that, that's not the gospel. In fact, this is what he says in Galatians 1.6. It'll come up on your screen right here. He says, I'm amazed. And you can hear kind of the anger in Paul's voice as he writes this. He says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him. Speaking of God, that you're so quickly deserting God who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. He said, what you're following after now is not the gospel. Only there are some who are disturbing you. They want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, I'll say it again. If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. You can hear the anger in Paul, can you not? Paul is saying, I'm amazed how quickly you guys turned away from a gospel of grace to a distorted legalistic form of religion and calling it the gospel. He's mad about it. And he's so intent on this that he's saying that they're denying the gospel of grace. And he's so angry about it. He says, let those that have brought that in be a curse. Man, that's heavy. Listen to what he goes on to say in chapter 3. He says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? He just asked him, Did you just get saved by your works or by hearing with faith? You are so foolish. Having begun in the spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? You you see what Paul is fighting here is this idea that God does this initial work in your life of saving you by grace, but then we take over and we're somehow sanctified by our own efforts. Abandoning the gospel of grace for a gospel of works. He says, you guys are so foolish. You began in the spirit, 
You began by being saved by God. It was a work of God. And now you're going to try and do it in the flesh? You see, that's the whole key to this whole thing. It's a work to be done by the Holy Spirit. Not just, and here's where we're going with this, not just in saving us, but in sustaining us. We still need grace, do we not? We still sin. We still need forgiveness. Isn't that why it's so popular to pray and you've heard it prayed so many times? Thank you, God, that your mercies are new every morning. Why do we pray that? Because we need grace and mercy every morning. We need it. We're, we're and don't miss this, still in process. Are we not? We're still in process. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. God is still working in your life, is he not? We still need the transforming power of the gospel in our lives every day. That gospel of grace. But here's the problem. Instead of communicating that to the world, instead of communicating that the church is just a bunch of sinners saved by grace and that we're still in process, what the church is most often communicated to the world is that Christianity is primarily a religion of rules to be kept, right? What we have primarily communicated to the world is that good Christians keep the rules and that's how you're accepted by God. That's the way the church has often portrayed itself and that's the way that the world looks at us. And if you've ever talked to many non-believers, you know that. You take a hundred non-believers people that don't go to church and don't believe in Jesus, and you ask them what the church is all about, you know what they're going to say? It's a bunch of rules and regulations. I've heard it a thousand times. That's the image that we, the church, have often communicated to people. Now, here's why that's problematic. Because there's three major results that come out of that. Number one, the church has become known for its hypocrisy. A recent study of unbelievers in America reports that 72% of non-Christians say that the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites. You ever heard that? Why do they say that? Because we portray Christianity as all about performance, as all about the keeping of the rules, that we have it together. But then what's the problem? We don't have it together. We're just not that good at keeping the rules, are we? And then people look inside and they go, wait a minute, you told us it was all about the keeping of the rules. And you told us that we had to keep these rules, but you're not keeping these rules. You're a bunch of hypocrites. That's not saying that we don't need transformed lives. We're going to get there. That's what I mean. Don't jump to conclusions. But it is saying, and I know this, we're not that good at keeping the rules, church. We're not. So when we told them it was all about the keeping of the rules, they go, wait a minute, you don't keep the rules. You're a bunch of hypocrites. The other danger is this, of communicating that it's all about the rules, is then we're tempted to fake it right? We said to them, it's all about the keeping of the rules, but we're not that good at keeping the rules. So then we fake it. Listen listen to me. 
in the Gospels, the guys that Jesus came down the hardest on were those guys, the guys that were faking it, the guys that were putting on this super holy and pious outer look, yet all the while their hearts were desperately wicked and full of sin. Listen to what Jesus said to them in Matthew chapter 23, 27 and 8. It'll come up here. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. We've got to be honest about who we are to people. Number three is this, the third danger of communicating that it's all about rules and that it's all about performance is this. There are some people out there in the world that will actually believe that. They'll actually believe that the church has it together. And then they'll be afraid to come in. Some years ago, there was a young lady that we were trying to help out here at the church. And her husband was in prison and she was having a really hard time of it. Her entire life was in absolute shambles. I mean, it was just messed up. There was fallout. I don't even want to tell you all the details. There was a lot of stuff there. We were reaching out to her and helping her with stuff and supplying her with some needs and some of this type of stuff. And she wanted to come to church. We wanted her to come to church. And she would come here and she would drive through the parking lot and leave. And I know for a fact that she did it on three consecutive Sundays. And one of those, she drove through the parking lot twice and left. And the reason that she did that was because her life was a mess. And she dreaded facing church people that have it all together. You see what happens when we miscommunicate what we are? She dreaded coming in. Because somewhere along the way, it had been communicated to her that Christianity was about the keeping of the rules. And it was about performance. But her life was in shambles. And she was afraid that she would walk in the door and somebody would think... What is somebody like you doing here? Oh, that's bad. We can't get there, church. We, we can't be that. And some of us have been saved for a long time. Some of you guys have been saved over 30 years, 40 years. You've been saved. I've been going to church for probably 14 years or so now. It's not a big deal for me to walk into the church anymore. I got to tell you that. We can do this, but I can remember back to right after I got saved, walking into church those first couple of times. In fact, I wouldn't even go to church. I got saved. I wouldn't even go to church for the longest time. I would just go to a Bible study that, that was at Scott and Mickey's house for a little while. And then I finally started creeping over towards the church, but it was super intimidating because you walk in 
And it's been told to you that the church is a bunch of people that perform well. They've done it. They've got it together. And I would look at these guys and i go, look, they're carrying these giant Bibles. And they've got highlighters. And I don't even know what they're marking, but they're marking stuff in their Bible. And then I look at their cars and they got these Jesus fish bumper stickers. And I don't have a Jesus fish bumper sticker. And then they speak this whole different language. They use words like atonement and sanctification. And they know what a theophany was. I didn't even have a clue what that was they for sure have it together they're going to look at me and think i lost my way how did this guy end up in here we we've got to remember that church if anything in us ever communicates that to our community then we have completely blown it If anything within us communicates that this room is full of people that have it together, we have completely lost sight of the grace of the gospel. And for us to be true to the gospel, what we need to communicate to the world is that this is not a room full of people that have it together. And we haven't worked real hard at the rules and we're not accepted because of our performance. What we need to communicate to the world is this. That this is a room full of dirty, rotten sinners that have been saved by grace. And none of us deserve to be here. But solely because of the grace of Jesus, we have been forgiven by God. And while we want to, Be holy as he is holy. We're still a long way off. And every one of us are still in process. And every one of us still need the grace and the forgiveness of God every single day. That's what we need to communicate to our community. We cannot lose sight of the fact that the gospel is a gospel of grace. And while yes... It needs to transform the believer's life. The truth is that transformation only comes by the grace of God. You see, being a disciple of Jesus is not primarily about the keeping of the rules. Being a disciple of Jesus is primarily about a relationship that will transform you and renew you. And that's where we're going to pick up next week. Lord, we come before you right now in awe of your grace. That you would save a sinner like me. I can say with Paul, has to be for the reason that you are showing us that you can save anyone and use anyone. Lord, as we come in and we start to focus on your word and the grace and what you've done in our lives, though we don't deserve it, we say thank you, Lord. Lord, we're going to worship you now for that very grace. But Lord, at the same time, may we never, ever take it for granted. May we never start to think that we're so great. May we've got it so together. And may we never 
look down on those that haven't gotten there yet, haven't come to know you yet, haven't come to experience the love and the forgiveness of a relationship with you. May we never look down on them. May we always hold out hope for everyone, Lord, knowing that if you can save me, you can save anybody. May we extend grace to the people around us. May we never misrepresent ourselves as having it together, but may we always tell this world that we are sinners saved only by the grace of God. And now, Lord, we worship you for that grace. In Jesus' name, amen.